You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today we are going to take a journey into the idea of building your curiosity and helping you use that for learning. I think as a leader, it's important that we realize that the best leadership is never a final destination. It's always a journey. It's a learning process to take advantage of the experiences you've got, but try to shape and formulate some new ideas and new opportunities as things around us change. And boy, business is changing every day. My guest today is a a young man named Colin Jewett. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Doug. Super excited to be here. Yeah, Colin, uh, when we first met, he and I had an interesting discussion about his journey and things he's been doing and this focus he's got for helping people do more with learning and creativity. And uh, I've got a couple of thoughts we're going to get into and questions to ask you. But before we do all that, tell us a little bit about your background and your journey up to this point. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff going in different directions, so I'll try not to go on too many rabbit trails. <laughs> keep, keep it short. But sure. uh, my background is in engineering, so I got my engineering degree from Purdue University, took a pretty traditional educational path there. Um, I really struggled at Purdue. I was uh, not a great student, despite working really, really hard. Uh, I did all the things that you're supposed to do as a student didn't work out super well for me. Uh, So I ended up kind of desperately looking for anything that could help me to use my brain more effectively. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know that's what I was looking for, but (laughs) I was looking for study hacks and things like that. And eventually I stumbled across accelerated learning uh, and a specific company, Superhuman Academy, which I now um, I now run actually. <laughs> so a lot, a lot has changed. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and I, I took some courses. I learned about how my brain works, just got really fascinated. It reignited the joy of learning for me. I got really excited and, and curious. And yeah, so that really helped me to transform my academic career. And I was able to land a senior level engineering position straight out of college, which, you know, was definitely not the track I was on. Um, I went from there to uh, start working with Superhuman Academy, started a coaching business. Uh, I've gotten licensed as a financial advisor. I run a psychology program. I've written a couple books. So just everything totally transformed for me just when I learned how to partner more effectively with my brain. And, and thankfully, it's it's something that everybody can learn to do it's there's nothing magical or special about me it was just i learned a set of skills i learned to write ask the right questions and change my life well congratulations on that because i tell you you know uh you i'm i'm sure you know you're not alone in the in um, young people that are stuck in the school experience and it's just not working the way they had hoped it would or the way they would like it to and a lot of people just by dogged determination, you know, get through it. Uh, but the question is, 
did they get through it really with optimum results or did they just, you know, make the bare minimum grade? And I'm thinking about my old college roommate and God love him. And we're, we're still great friends, but, um, first two years he struggled the whole way through. And finally on as year three began, he had to, he had to leave, you know, the school invited him to uh, step down and go away and reorder some things. And, uh, through hard work and determination, roughly seven years later, he finished a degree program and, you know, got it done. And so, uh, we now we have the joy of joking about that. And he's, he's had a very pleasant adult life. You know, it's not that it was a, a permanent hindrance, but it definitely was a, a hurdle. And I'm confident that if he had learned some of the, the tricks and ideas that uh, you've discovered that um, he, he could have done a lot better. Uh, let me ask this just to pick a place to dive in. We, we talked about this notion of curiosity. Where, where does curiosity plug into the overall story arc that you're talking about? Yeah, that's a super good question. And usually when people come to me, they are coming to me because I actually, I don't work with students hardly at all. I, I usually work with professionals uh, and, and lots of leaders. And usually what they're coming to me for is uh, for memory. A lot of people tell me, you know, I just, I feel like I can't keep track of everything. Um, I, I'm very forgetful. Um, I, I didn't used to be this way. A lot of people tell me like it's just gotten worse over time. Uh, they feel like they're behind on everything and they just feel like, you know, learning is not something that they enjoy. It's something they feel like they have to do that they're not very good at. It's kind of a grind. And so that's kind of the entry point for most people when I'm talking to them. And it took me a while to figure this out. Um, but things like memory are actually completely contingent on curiosity. And that's, that's not really an obvious or intuitive connection for most people. No, it wouldn't be. Yeah. They don't think like my memory is dependent on that, but um, I think what would probably be, be helpful for your audience, maybe I could just, you know, walk that path from curiosity to memory and how that uh, translates into sure, learning. Sure. Um, it might take me a second. It's kind of a, a little bit of a winding path, but I think if we can make those connections, it'll be really helpful for people. So uh, I think the way to think about uh, memory, first of all, it's it's highly dependent on attention. And I think the best way to illustrate that is uh, for everyone listening, you can probably think of a, a path that you've driven a lot. So maybe you've driven to the same workplace a lot. You've driven to a friend's house. You've driven to a school. Doesn't matter. A path that you've driven a lot. The first time you drive it, you pay attention. You have to think about it quite a bit, but by the fourth or fifth or 10th or hundredth time that you drive that path, it's almost like you get in the car at point A and then you kind of almost wake up at point B. <laughs> Everything yeah. in the middle kind of disappears. That's right. And if somebody asked you like, you know, what did you notice on your drive this morning? You'd be like, what do you mean? What did I notice? I didn't notice anything. <laughs> My brain was pretty much turned off. I, I don't even remember all the turns I made or anything like that. And I think that really illustrates what happens with people's memory uh, pretty well is that as you get older, it's not necessarily that your, your memory systems in your brain are breaking. Now that can happen. Obviously there are conditions, Alzheimer's, et cetera, that can really cause serious deterioration yeah. there. Yeah. But for most people, just the normal process of aging doesn't break your memory systems nearly as much as people think it does. 
um, the, what's really happening that contributes to most of that decline in memory is that over time, things become more and more automatic. You don't have to think nearly as hard to live the same lifestyle you've been living. And because of that, you don't remember what you've done. You don't remember new things because... I, I was chuckling. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I've got the age bracket to... Uh, to really relate and speak from this. And as you were getting ready to describe that, I said, as we age, we just get bored. You know, we don't have to pay attention anymore. No, and I'm, I'm kidding. I'm being a little too facetious about it. I'm sorry. Go on with your. No, no but that's, that's true. It's like, I, I mean, once you've got figure things figured out well enough to maintain your lifestyle and get by. Um, and go on that autopilot. You go on autopilot and people don't realize how much they do this. It really starts to take over the way you process all information. You just, you don't pay nearly as close attention because you don't need to. And that's, that's a survival mechanism. The way that your brain works, it's hyper efficient. So with today's technology, if you tried to build a, a supercomputer that could essentially simulate what the brain does, it would require the power of probably an entire hydroelectric plant to be able to do that. Our brain does that on the power of a single light bulb. So it's extraordinarily efficient. It's unbelievably efficient. One of the ways it does that is it doesn't do things that it doesn't need to do, <laughs> right? So as you kind of figure things out and you can do things automatically, your brain stops spending that expensive resource, which is your conscious attention to things, which is much less efficient, but it's really good for focusing and learning something new. If you don't have to do that, you stop paying attention. And when your attention uh, stops being used, you don't remember things. <laughs> so one thing that, and this is this is going to draw that line between memory and curiosity. So if you think about children, they're usually curious about everything because they don't know anything, right? <laughs> so right. they have lots of questions, right? And so they have to pay attention to everything. They're, they're they get really hyper focused on things. They're looking at everything. And so what they're doing is they're asking questions constantly about the world around them and the world within them. And those are questions that people just stop asking once they don't feel like it's as necessary, whether that's conscious or unconscious. And so curiosity is really getting back that interest about the world around you and within you and starting to ask questions. And when you do that, it causes you to pay attention. And when you pay attention, all of a sudden you, you find that you actually start to remember things a lot better and learning becomes something that's enjoyable instead of a grind. You know, I'm I'm thinking, and I'll I'll self-admit and and kind of share a, a a personal thing. When, well, I've I've told this story, and my wife knows this well, and others around me know it. I I had an experience in my very young learning exposure that really turned me off to reading. I just fundamentally hate to read. And I still carry it with me to this day. Now, can I read? Yeah, I can read. You know, am I able to read? Yes, I, I can read very well. I just don't like doing it because of some scarring yeah, <laughs> in, sure. in, uh, in my elementary school years. And what I find when I do decide to sit down, I get somebody recommends a book to me and I go, oh, goody. And, and I've got a stack of them over here. You know, people have recommended and my guests have been gracious and sent me books. And I would certainly like to get into those. But sometimes that's a long rambling buildup to say, 
what I find myself doing is kind of that memory thing. It's like I'm driving to the store. I'm, I'm turning pages, but I don't think I'm absorbing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you, okay. So, you know, what, what do you say to a, a guy like me that has that kind of experience trying to get focused? Yeah, that I hear that all the time. <laughs> that might be the number one thing I hear when I talk to people and they say, you know, some people will contact me because they want to want to learn to speed read. And that's something I teach people how to do. How do you read it? 600 plus words per minute, which is three times, four times what the average person can do and still have high comprehension and all those things and retain the information. People contact me for that. And the reason that they reach out to learn speed reading is because they hate reading. <laughs> Ironically, it's like, I want to get it over with faster and I just want the information. I don't want to you know, deal with <laughs> the reading. Yeah. And ironically, that's the exactly backwards of, of how you are able to attain those higher speeds of reading because you simply, you can't retain information. You can't comprehend information if you just have absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> if you can't get yourself to pay attention and actually look at what you're doing, you're not going to remember it. You're not going to process it well. And so when I'm teaching people how to speed read, really what we're doing it's less about learning a new skill, though it is that a lot of it is just getting rid of a lot of baggage, like what you described before you had an experience all the way back in elementary school that kind of ruined reading for you. And I hear that all the time. I mean, people just tell me, like, I don't like reading when I'm reading. I feel like my eyes glaze over and my eyes keep moving, but nothing's going into my head. And then I find like three pages later, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what have I yep. been doing? And yep. so, That's... <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time. And it makes sense. So like one of the, I can give an example. Are, are we sharing video for this too? People... Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. I yeah. know some people won't be watching the video, but I'm holding up a book right now. This is a good book, by the way. I'll uh, unsponsored recommend. Uh, this is Your Brain Explained by Mark Dingman, I think is how his name's pronounced. Just happens to be the one that's sitting on my desk right now. Um, but people, when when you ask them, like, how do you read a book? Well, I'll ask you since we're on the call. How do you read a book? Like, what do you? What's the first thing you do when you have a book? Um, generally, I probably go to the back flap and and see if I'm even going to get interested in it. <laughs> okay, let's say you are interested. Then, what do you do? And I probably pretty much just turn the first page and dig into it. All right, perfect. Thanks for playing along. That's <laughs> that's the that's the answer I was looking for. So. It's interesting if you're if you're reading purely for pleasure, that's a totally fine way to read a book because it's like you're not necessarily looking for anything. You're just there for the enjoyment. But like I said, most people who contact me don't really like reading. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> why they reach out. And it turns out that's actually a really terrible way to read a book if you're if you're trying to read to learn something or to understand something new, because you need to follow the path of curiosity, the, the, the things that you're really interested in, the questions that you have. And the odds that the author has perfectly laid out that book in the way that you want to learn information is very, very slim. It's unlikely. They laid it out in a way that made sense to them. But for you, like this book I'm holding in front of me, you know, maybe I'm reading this book and this book talks about lots of really cool things. It talks about sleep and language and emotions and vision and memory. But let's say I'm reading this book and really all I care about is like what I'm really interested in is memory. And so I would open the, the the table of contents here and I'd see, okay, well, the whole, whole first section of this book is about emotions and maybe that would be interesting, but honestly, it's not what I'm looking for right now. 
so I see that the whole section or the second section of the book is on memory. And so I know this is like uh, people, because once you've gone through school, it's so drilled in your head, like you have to read things cover to cover, like you can't skip around, like you got to do things in the way they're presented to you. It's like, I always tell people like, it's time to learn to break some rules. <laughs> Let's skip to the part you're interested in and follow the path of your curiosity and the engagement. And people find like, if you do that, like you might only read six pages of the whole book, but you get so much more out of them. And then if you spent the whole time sitting there kind of trying to push through it and not really getting anything, you get so much more out of it. It becomes enjoyable. And what it is, it's a, it's a positive, it's a good positive feedback loop where reading becomes something that you now find pleasurable because you only do it in the way that makes sense to you. That's actually good. And you find you end up actually reading a lot more than if you did it the traditional way of just trying to grind your way from cover to cover. You know, uh, this may be a really tangential thought, but it, it struck, it came to my mind as you were describing all it, basically what you, the part about breaking the rules, you know, don't start on page one, you know, go, go seek your most curious thought. I, I had a situation, uh, one of my sons was struggling in high school. He was a junior year in his science class. He was really having trouble with uh, the way the, the teacher was administering tests. And um, the, I think he had probably failed two or three. And then, you know, he said, Dad, I wish you'd go talk to the professor or the teacher. I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And everybody hates him. They don't like him. And everybody's struggling. So I said, sure, I'll go talk to him. But my philosophy as a parent of a school age children, I did this with all my kids. I don't really meddle at school. I'm not a hover parent by any means, but I agreed to go have this meeting. Guy was very gracious, very personable. And he, he smiled and he said, I bet you're here because your son hates my class. And I said, yeah, that's it. He said, well, all my students hate my class. I said, yeah, I've, I've heard that. And he said, uh, there's an interesting secret. Nobody's figured out yet. I said, okay. He said, but I'm willing to tell you my secret. I said, okay. He said, every question on my test is the answer is found in the index in the back of their book. And he said, if you'll ask your son, he is allowed. And it, it, every test is an open book test. And he said, the key to passing my test is to simply learn how to use the index in the back. It, it's, it's, it's not even a stretch. The words aren't even hidden. It's, it's literal terms that are listed in the index. <laughs> and if you go look in the index and go to the page where the, that word is referenced, you'll have the answer for the test. You can make 100. Everybody can make 100. <laughs> So was he trying to teach them how to use their resources? And he said, he said, after all my years in teaching, I'm frustrated. I've got junior year, 11th grade students, and I know they're all wanting to go to college. And he said, if you don't know how to use an index in a book for finding answers to things you're looking for, you're never going to make it through college. Hmm. He said, every college program I know about, if you know something about the index to your textbooks, you're going to do a lot better. You may not have it as obvious as my tests, but you're going to do probably a letter grade better than anybody else if you just know how to use the index. And I thought, hmm. So I went and talked to my son and I said, you have a worksheet? Yes, we'll bring it here. And he brings his worksheet. I said, where's your textbook? 
And I said, what's the first question? I said, do you know where the index of your book is? He goes, no, I don't know what that is. And I said, okay. So I showed him where the index was. And I said, now look up this word in your index. Oh, here it is. And now turn to that page. Okay. Well, golly, that, that fills in the blank on this question. Yeah. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. You know, you've got yeah. a prize now. <laughs> And so he did, he went from like a C minus to an A grade for the rest of the year, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I agree with the, the teacher's approach there, but <laughs> I do appreciate what <laughs> the, the uh, essential truth there, which is like, if, if you don't know how to search, if you don't know how to, you know, seek things out and look for your own answers, then it, it's hard to learn. <laughs> it's really hard to learn. It is. It is. And then, so I, I, like I said, I, it was a little bit of a tangential thought there, but I, I think it does apply in back to the basic notion of raising curiosity. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, in my son's case, it, he was curious because he needed the grade. And so it was one of those kind of motivations. And, uh, but um, anyway, um, Back to back to your storyline there. I'm sorry I digressed and got no. It's a, it's a good example. Uh, so many of the people that I work with, I find that their habits really do trace back to school. Uh, and it was when you're in school. Unfortunately, uh, and I, if you're a teacher listening to this, uh, I hope maybe this will be helpful. But unfortunately, most students essentially what they're learning is that you do what you're told and you try to find the answers to questions that other people ask. They don't learn to ask their own questions most of the time. And, and, you know, that's not true for all schools or all classes, but most of the professionals I work with, they're thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and they haven't really learned or they haven't asked their own questions in a long time. And it's actually, you know, it might seem kind of obvious, but it's not something that very many people do. So I, you know, when it's, when somebody's telling me, hey, I want to learn about whatever. I had someone I was working with recently who's trying to learn about blockchain. And I asked them, I was like, well, what are you curious about with blockchain? Like, what are your questions? <laughs> and that was kind of a stumper. <laughs> I was like, well, 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 I don't know. I just want to learn about it. Well, if you don't have any questions, then what are what is your brain looking for? It's not primed to seek anything out. You're just going to pull up something about blockchain. Your eyes are going to glaze over. So I think a really good comparison is if you've ever played I Spy or like one of those Where, Where's Waldo or anything like that, it's really interesting because those pictures, there's just they're just a clutter. There, there's tons of stuff in the picture. It's chaotic. But as soon as your brain knows what it's looking for, okay, I'm looking for a guy who's wearing a red and white striped shirt and a funny hat. All of a sudden, you're able to find him. You, and all that mess, your brain is able to pick him out because that's how your brain works. If you prime it to look for specific things, it's able to filter out all the noise and find those things very quickly. But if you don't have anything that you're priming yourself with, then all you see is chaos. And this is the problem that I see when, when people are trying to learn is when you don't have a guiding question, when you don't have something that you are genuinely interested in that you're searching for, all you see is chaos. And it's really hard to parse anything. And, and every topic seems extremely difficult. But the truth is, even things that people think of as technical, uh, STEM fields, whether it's you know calculus or engineering, um, medical stuff, 
it, it doesn't really matter what the subject is. What matters is what are you looking for inside of all that information? Because not all information is equally valuable to you in your situation. And if you can't determine what is valuable to you in your situation, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to learn anything useful. Yeah. Boy, I can see that playing out. And I tell you what, I've I'm, I'm got a question about that, but I'm looking at the clock. We're up on time for a quick commercial break, and we're going to take that right now. But when we come back, I, I do have a couple more thoughts and questions about that and uh, look forward to getting back in. So Great. hang with us, folks. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. You are listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and I'm talking with Colin Jewett today. And we're talking about the power of the brain to really uh, help us be more curious, uh, read better, learn more, and do things. Colin, before we went on the break, we were talking about uh, that need to have some motivating curiosity to allow our brains to comprehend the things that we're reading, take those in. What can you say to that person that maybe had a struggle in, in their school years and now have subsequently blocked out on a subject area? Like some people have trouble spelling, some people have trouble with math, some people maybe I, I shared that I don't like reading. I can read, but I don't like, but some people as adults can't read real well because they had some kind of block event that happened. Where do you start with those kind of folks to help them overcome that, that sort of totally shut down seg segment or section in their brains? Yeah. Uh, there's a few really important things to do there. The first one is you kind of need to go back to that child or that young adult or whoever that person was in your history, you need to go back to that stage in your mind and think about what caused that pain, that frustration in the first place. Was it because you were being forced to, so yeah, it's just really important to get, to go back and think about what caused it in the first place and recognize, because I mean, when you're a, especially when you're a child, a lot of people's issues stem from when they were quite young you don't really understand, you know, why the thing is important a lot of times that you're being told to do. Uh, so you're being told to read a certain way and it's really important. And really what you want to do is you want to make whoever's forcing you to do it happy or you want to escape from it if it's a punishment, something like that. So I think it is worth like going back uh, and, and rewinding and just visiting that spot and thinking, you know, why was it traumatic for me? Why was I being forced to learn it? Was the punishment justified? Probably not. <laughs> and, and think about that and recognize, and I think it's good to forgive whoever, you know, kind of caused that pain for you. I think that can be a real release for somebody. Like maybe it was an elementary school teacher you had and you've never really thought about it enough to, you know, forgive them <laughs> for yeah. how, how they affected you. And I think that, 
you know, it's not necessarily directly related to the learning, but I think it can release some of the, the negative emotionality connected to those experiences. Um, so first is forgiving whatever caused that in the first place. And the second one is having grace on that version of yourself too. And going back and, you know, telling your younger self, like, Hey, it's okay that you struggled with this. Like it was not ideal. The way this was set up was really designed to make this painful for you. Right. right. <laughs> so it could have been done much better and it's a shame that it wasn't, but it's okay. And we can let that go. So I think there is some like healing that needs to happen uh, in, in a lot of circumstances. And I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the opportunity to give people permission. If you feel like there's something you've struggled with for a long time and you're still to this day intimidated by or uncomfortable pursuing, whether it's reading or math, so many people tell me that they're terrified of doing math. Uh, anything that it is doesn't really matter. I want to be the one to give you permission. Break the rules. You don't have to do it or pursue that in the way that you were told that you had to in the past. Um, you can pursue it at your own pace in the way that makes sense to you and the way that you enjoy. And one of the great ways to start with that, uh, I'll, I'll just use reading as an example because that's a common one. Like find something you actually like reading and it could be a comic book. I don't care. <laughs> it can be anime. It can be, you know, novels, fantasy, whatever. Find something that you actually enjoy reading. Don't give yourself any requirements of how to read it. Read it however you want. There's no punishment if you skip half the book. There's no, you know, you can read the end first. I don't care. Like, do it your own way. Give yourself that permission. Uh, it can it can sound kind of silly, but a lot of times people have a lot more like rules in their head than they realize when it comes to things yeah. like this that have been built in such a young age that you, you don't even see them anymore. And I, I tell people like, I just want to give you a book and I just want you to start reading in the middle chapter and people are uncomfortable doing that. Isn't that bizarre that people are uncomfortable opening a book to the middle and starting to read? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. why does that scare oh, us? It's, it's, yeah. It's the in, ingrained process that we were told, you know, you, you don't know the story if you don't start at the front, you know? And um, I actually, there was a time when um, I, I was reading um, some non, or I'm sorry, some fiction stories just for entertainment. But what I would do is I would always pick up the book and I'd go to the last chapter Yeah, and I'd read that first. And, and my wife at the time said, are you nuts? You're ruining the whole story. You know, you, you, how, how does that help you? And I go, well, for me, it's a mindset. I want to be efficient about doing this. And if I don't like how the, how the thing is <laughs> going to end, I'm not going to invest the time to read the whole thing. And in a quirky way, what I found is if I really had read the last chapter and it sounded interesting, then I'd, I'd come back and go read the whole story. I inevitably kind of had forgotten how it really ended, and I was still pleasantly surprised by the outcome. And so, you know, it, it was a good experience. So, Yeah, my, I used to give my wife uh, a hard time for doing the same thing. We'd be watching TV shows together and she'd always read the plot for the next several episodes before we <laughs> would watch them. Like, what are you doing? But, you know, the more I've worked with other people, I realized like you need to do things in the way that makes sense to you and that you enjoy. If, if you make it painful for yourself, I mean, that's in uh, behavioral psychology, a punishment is anything that causes a behavior to be less likely to happen in the future. 
And so if you find yourself doing something that you feel like you should do, that's genuinely important to you less and less, it's because whatever you've been doing or the the way that you've been doing in the past has been acting as a punishment on you. You've been doing it in a way that's punishing. And so what I really try to encourage people to do is do things. If it's something that's positive and adds value to your life and you want to do more of it and you just find it hard, find a way to make it reinforcing and rewarding and enjoyable and forget all the rules you've been told because <laughs> yeah. ultimately if they like don't that, help yeah. you learn, then they're not helping you. <laughs> they should be let go. It only matters if it helps you to learn. And that's it. That's the only measurement you need. So let's uh, turn the table a little bit in the time we've got left. Let, let's talk about that business owner or executive leader that is, is wanting to make a difference in the way they consume information, gain knowledge, grow their own horizon. What are some of the typical steps or approaches that uh, you see effective? Yeah. Well, leaders are really fun to talk to because when you're talking to a leader, um, you're not just talking to the leader. You're kind of talking to all the people they lead through them. (laughs) So you know there's going to be an impact. And so talking to teachers, talking to parents, talking to anybody who really has people who depend on them, who they you know, influence. I mean, it's really cool because, you know, as a leader of an organization, especially like the, the organization, as long as you're really leading it and you're not just owning it or a passive partner, its growth is somewhat capped by your own growth. Absolutely. Say yeah. that again. I, I want you to repeat that one more time. <laughs> yeah. Your organization can't grow past you is one way to think about it. It can't grow yeah. faster than you. Uh, you can really be the bottleneck um, yep. if you're truly an instrumental leader in your business and not just like a passive partner or something like that. So it can't grow past you. So your own growth is is critically important. And so even when I'm working with leaders who have way more experience than I do, it's like experience is great because it prepares you for situations like the ones you've been in before. But if you're trying to lead in a an ever-changing industry, um, then your experience will only take you so far. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to continue to learn. And if you're stagnant, your business will end up becoming stagnant over time too and, and less and less adapted to the new environment. So you have to be able to be flexible, even if you do know a lot of tips and tricks from, from years of experience. And so some of the things I try to I work with with, with leaders is really reigniting uh, curiosity so they start paying attention again. Um, and I can talk about some practical things you can do right now to do that. I think it's always good to have uh, list items that you can actually accomplish. So um, I'll give you two. The the first one is kind of like a a Kickstarter. It's it's kind of like to, you know, a one shot (laughs) uh, boost. It's kind of like a, almost like a pill you can take and it's, it's an exercise you can do to boost things temporarily. And then it'll also give you something to just kind of practice on a regular basis that can help you to start paying more attention, being more curious and, and make your learning more effective. Uh, so the first one, which is more of an exercise, I call it the hundred questions exercise. And it's exactly what it sounds like. And it really serves lots of different purposes. One of the purposes is it helps you to start to kind of break rules and get comfortable with being flexible and, and not evaluating so much. Uh, that's an issue people have is they evaluate everything constantly. And it's like, there's a time for that. And there's a time to just let things flow and don't immediately judge them. Right. So the, right. the hundred questions exercise is what it sounds like. It's literally writing a hundred questions in one sitting as fast as you can. Hmm. And 
here's what I see with this. So this exercise is really fun. It's fun for me to see a lot of different people do it because I can see patterns. Usually it, when people do this, um, they kind of fall in one, one of two camps. Uh, either they can do the whole exercise in 15 minutes or less, and they feel like it's really easy for them, or it takes them over an hour, or it takes them multiple sittings, and it's really painful. <laughs> and I can tell you the difference between those two groups of people. The group of people where it's painful, it takes a really long time, they're constantly evaluating. So every question they write down, their brain, they've got the voice in their head that's like, oh, that's a stupid question. Oh, I don't really care about that. Maybe I already know the answer to that. I already wrote that one. Like there's tons of evaluation going on. They're not actually just enjoying the exercise and letting questions pop into their head. They're trying to get it right. <laughs> yeah, They're trying to get yeah. a, an A on the exercise. <laughs> and that's that's the wrong mindset. So that's one reason I like the exercise because in order to do it quickly, you actually have to break out of that and stop worrying about what you write down. And so you have to be willing to write things down that are stupid, that are silly, that are ridiculous. <laughs> that yeah, you but my wife and I, and I won't go into all the details, but my wife and I have a joke. We'll be going along the, and, and the joke is, why is the sky blue? And um, there's a there's a whole thing about an experience raising our kids and it it's it's one of those you know we'll find ourselves in a in a moment of um i don't know what's the word it's not confusion but just something new and different is happening we'll look at each other one of us will say why is the sky blue and it's it's just that random thought you know that probably has no bearing on the moment but it's just uh one of those burning questions <laughs> that'd probably be way up on the top of my list if I did it. You know? Yeah. Great. It's perfect. Yeah. You just, uh, yeah. The goal is just to, to let the questions flow. And usually what people will experience is the first time they do this, they're able to write yeah, maybe like 20 questions and then they really hit a wall because what they're doing for those first 20 questions is they're like, okay, here's the first things that come to mind. And then they kind of start to look around the room for a different inspiration. Okay, there's a plant over there on my my shelf. Like, um, kind of to go along with your question, why is that plant green? Um, why does it grow in that shape? They start to ask questions about the room around them, and so they're really constrained in their creativity. Like, <laughs> they're super externally dependent, and so that's why I challenge people. Usually, the first time through, if they take a long time, I ask them, okay, well well, what was it like? And they tell me, oh, it was super hard. And then they ask me all sorts of questions about like, well, did I do this right? Like here, this question, was this a good question to ask? Sure <laughs> question. And yeah. I'm like, I don't care. That's the point. I'm not going to grade your assignment. I don't care what questions you ask. The point is just to ask them and you can repeat them. There's, there's no rules whatsoever. So I challenge people to do that. And you know that you're starting to let your brain just do what it wants to do. If, if you can do this exercise in 15 minutes or less, your hand will cramp up, first of all. <laughs> I do recommend writing them down, by the way, even though that's painful. <laughs> your hand will cramp up, but you'll start to find it's like, okay, actually, some of these questions are really interesting. Some of them are stupid. Some of them are, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Some of them are qu actually quite interesting. And it becomes easier and easier. And questions just start to flow once you realize you have the freedom to ask. And you don't even have to answer any of them. That's fine. So that's one exercise I recommend people do. Um, and it gets you to start to, once you start to ask, even if you're just asking questions about your environment around you, you realize, man, you don't know anything. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, none of us know anything. It's like I can look around my room right now and see a million things I don't understand. And it's like I understand the world well enough to get around and you know survive, but I understand very little about fundamentally how I things know. work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's exciting because there's so much more to explore. So what's the second you said you had two? Yep. The next one will segue perfectly into that, which is start paying attention to, uh, I recommend a simple way you can do this is go on a walk and just start looking at things like kids do. Look at everything. Look at them closely from far away. Like uh, oftentimes I'll walk around the block and I'll see a bush and I'll just like go up close to it. <laughs> go up close to it, stare at the leaves. Do silly stuff like if you take a kid out on a walk, they're going to stop every five feet and like look at a bug on the ground. <laughs> you know, do that. Pretend you're a kid on a walk. Start looking at things. And that's another way you'll start to realize, man, I really don't understand the world very well. And I don't pay very close attention to things anymore. And it'll start to uh, pique that curiosity more. You'll start to pay more attention. And then one thing I find is, especially with the older people I work with, is they're shocked to find that they start remembering things better. Mm. They don't expect that. It's like, I went on a walk, I looked at some stuff and my memory feels like it was better than it was yesterday. How weird is that? <laughs> it's not weird at all because you started to pay attention a little bit more. Yeah, that's interesting. I, <laughs> my wife will probably shoot me for saying this, but again, we're, <laughs> we're both at the age now when we go see our, our doctor, we, we get the senior set of questions, you know, they'll, and they'll, give us three words and then they'll say, you know, can you remember these three words? And they'll wait 20 minutes to ask you, and do you remember the words? And, and of course, fortunately, my wife and I are fine with that, but um, that too has become a joke to us. You know, we, the words are apple table penny and <laughs> she went back for her annual checkup. So it's been a full year and they asked her the same question and gave her the same three words. And she said, I remember them from last year. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't, she didn't tell the doctor that she, she didn't want them changing the words. So, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, well, uh, I, I don't know. For some reason, I want to ask this before we get offline. I'm right. shifting well, 180 degree. Uh, I want to talk about the people that seem to always be the smartest guy in the room. I mean, who who genuinely can show up with information broader, deeper, wider than anybody else on the team. Um, any particular thoughts about why and how? people get to that station mm -hmm. in life? Yeah, I'll tell you their secret. <laughs> it's because they care. <laughs> it's because yeah. they're really interested. Um, so the, the people who just remember the facts, they remember the numbers, they remember the details. It's because for whatever reason, they find those things super interesting. And so they stick. Like, um, for example, if you talk to an experienced chess player, or somebody who's a big sports fan, it doesn't matter. They'll be able to recall move for move what happened in chess game or a sports fan will be able to recall an entire game, play, for play. Yeah, play yeah. for play. And it's like, well, did they have a magical superpower memory? It's like, no, they're just, they're super interested. And what happens when you're really interested in the subject is you start to see patterns and those patterns, you're able to remember them much better because 
you're not remembering all the individual pieces separately. You see it as a pattern that you recognize. And so like, um, I'm not really a sports guy, but I'll, I'm not a chess guy either, but <laughs> with, with chess, they'll remember a, a long series of moves because it's like, oh yeah, that's that kind of opening. That's that kind of strategy. And so they've consolidated all those moves down into a, a small package that their brain can quickly unpack and understand. So if you're seeing everything as one move at a time, it's going to be very hard for your brain to capture all that. But if you start, if you're interested enough and you start to pay close attention, you'll see patterns and those patterns will help you consolidate that information down drastically. And that's what interested people do. And that's why they can remember so much. I'm thinking of an attorney I worked with in my banking days. And, you know, banks are fraught with regulation and, and burden of, of regulatory statutes and things. And there's a whole body of, in the, if you're in mortgage lending, there's the volume and after volume of consumer protection and fair lending and all this stuff. Well, there was this lady attorney I knew she could spiel that stuff just like, and she was hundred percent right. And I mean, she would quote chapter and verse and reference point and all that. And people used to ask her, how in the world do you consume all this stuff? And they're always changing, you know, there's always things. And she said, I read that like you might read Harry Potter. Yep, there it is. Exactly. She said, I, I see that stuff when I read it and I remember it like a story and we're going, yuck, you know, how, <laughs> how horrible, you know, that it, no, it's just a thing. And of course she was an incredibly valuable resource and everybody sought her out because even the obscure stuff that you didn't run into every day, you know, it was, it was like that little bit part character mm -hmm. that appeared in the woods, you know, for, for yep. two chapters and she could remember all that stuff. And it's like, wow, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I talk to people every day who tell me like, oh, I just can't remember things. And yet I can ask them about like their favorite movie and they can quote every line and they can tell me the story frontwards and backwards. I'm like, you just need to learn how to use that same mechanism and apply it to other things that you want to learn. And that's just a matter of actually being interested. And if you're not interested in the subject, then it's worth asking yourself why you're putting yourself through the trouble of trying to force yourself to learn it anyway. Maybe it's just not for you and you should delegate that to someone else who actually cares. Mm. You, you might've inspired me. I always tell the story that again, because of my reading malady, I chose at an early age not to go to law school, which I thought I wanted to do. And it was because of the reading. But now that now that you brought this up, hmm, I'm I'm a little old to go to law school, but I may I may consider it. <laughs> hey, if if you enjoy it and it's like reading, well, you don't like reading Harry Potter very much, but if it's the equivalent of that, <laughs> then uh, it, it'll just be a joy. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, Colin, uh, we're about up on time here. I really appreciate your insights and sharing. I think this has been really valuable. Um, tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested. Yeah, I, I've given people different paths in the past, but honestly, I really like just sharing my email. If people want to just send me an email, go ahead. I, I'll, I'll look at it. I'll respond. So uh, my email address is curiosityjumpllc at gmail.com. Uh, so you can post that in the show notes or something like that. But yeah, feel free we to will. send me an email. Um, if you look up superhumanacademy.com, I'm on there too. Uh, but the email is the easiest way. And I'm I'm happy to read your emails and, and respond. So feel free to send them to me. If you Great. Sure. 
<clears throat> we'll certainly do that. We'll have all that in the show notes, everybody. And at this point, uh, two things. I have, number one, I want to thank you again, Colin, for the great insights and sharing. And congratulations on your your change in your life and situation and uncovering all these uh, amazing uh, truths about the way our wonderful brain can work. Yeah, well, I'm super happy to share them. They've changed my life and I'm I'm just trying to spread the message so it can change other people's lives too. That's great. And uh second thing I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening on an audio streaming channel, uh just be reminded that we are also on video over at YouTube. Uh, there's a channel there by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We've got all the shows archived over there. You can hop in and grab a, a clip. Uh, we do have some shorts coming on each episode, so you can uh, get a, a taste of, of what we've got on video and would love to have you hop in, uh, subscribe to the channel, leave us a comment, give us some feedback. Always love to hear from listeners, and uh, I want to personally thank you for hanging in with us and being here. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye and hope to see you again real soon. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.